Hi, thanks for joining us online. We're glad that you've chosen to access this message. It's so encouraging to know that God is using the ministry of Portico Community Church to touch the hearts and lives of people all across the world. If you have a story to share or a prayer request, we would love to hear from you at info at porticocanada.ca. To support our ministry, you can donate online by clicking on the Donate button at the top right of your screen. Once again, we're so glad that you've joined us. It's our prayer that this message from God's Word will deeply impact your life. Well, good morning and welcome. If you're visiting with us, my name is Rick and I'm the campus pastor here at Portico and we're really happy that you've joined us. We're in the midst of a summer series called Tales of the Kingdom and we're looking at parables that Jesus told and they teach us theology and this morning we're going to look at life and the afterlife and is there life after death and no, don't kneel down in the middle of a highway and expect to tell about it. Thank you, Jim Carrey, on that one or actually thank you, Morgan Freeman. Uh, I had a reflection moment this past week we were, uh, I had an extra day, we were up at the cottage with our family, and the sun was shining, it was 30 degrees, we were up in the Muskokas, I was just given a hug by my beautiful, athletic, intelligent daughter, I was about to eat a great meal, I was cared for by my family, and I thought, I never have any reason in the world to ever complain. Don't you love when you have moments when you just feel like life has come together, But for every moment that life hands us like that kind of experience, there's also a moment when life hits us just as hard. And then I actually did reflect back in a few years before, and I found myself, I remember for years I was in and out of hospitals. I I had lost 50 pounds. If you can believe it, I used to weigh like 180, 185 pounds. It wasn't exercise that got me this way. It was disease. So that's that's a wonderful way to lose weight if you're ever... No, just kidding. But I remember it was a couple of years in and out out of the hospital trying to figure out what can I eat, what's going to happen to my body. My wife had just had a back injury, and she wasn't able to to really move, and both of us were struggling with our physical and mental health. And a few years prior to this amazing moment, I had had a moment when I could reflect and say, hey, life isn't so great. Last month, I was doing a wedding. One of my childhood friends that I had grown up with, we went, to, we went to the first day of kindergarten with. We traveled along from five years old. We're now 37 years old. And I was doing his wedding. And I was there with his parents. And his parents had helped me grow up. And they were kind of like parents to me. And, and this was a great day of celebration. But at the same time, there was a moment of reflection that was sadness because this wasn't his first marriage. This was his, his second, and his first had ended a few years back after the birth of their first child. And so he struggles with amazing celebration, yet amazing sadness at the same time. And this morning, as we come to one of the parables of Jesus, we're going to look at two individuals who were struggling with joy and sadness in the same moment. And and I want us to reflect on what do we do when your Disney movie of a life isn't panning out the way that you imagined it would? When your Prince Charming that was brought into your life turns out to be a jerk, what do you do? (laughs) Or when you have this amazing magical adventure that you thought life was going to take you on and it turned out it only gets you as far as Orangeville and the animals around you don't actually sing, they're pooping on your rug. What do you do when your Disney movie isn't working out? Well, Jesus told a contrasting story of a rich man and a beggar and how they manage joy and sadness. And I'm going to invite Colin to come, and Colin's going to read our key text, but you can turn to Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. You can also follow along on your Portico app. The notes and the Bible passages are in there, and actually, if you go into your Portico app and you check 
click on the messages button, there's an online poll that all of our campuses and venues are participating in, and it gives us a little bit of feedback as we, as we share in this service. It gets your voice spoken into the service as we look at joy and sadness and how God relates to us. But Colin, go ahead and read for us the parable of Lazarus in the rich man. Okay, so Luke 16, 19 to 31. Once there was a rich man. He was dressed in purple cloth and fine linen. He lived an, an easy life every day. A, name, a man named Lazarus was placed at his gate. Lazarus was a beggar. His body was covered with sores. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. All he wanted was to eat what fell from the rich man's table. The time came when the baker died. The angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In the place of the dead, the rich man was suffering terribly. He looked up and saw Abraham far away. Lazarus was by his side. So the rich man called out, Father Abraham, have pity on me. Send Lazarus to dip his, the tip of his finger into the water. Then he can cool my tongue. I'm in terrible pain in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember what happened in your lifetime. You received your good things. Lazarus received bad things. Now he is comforted here, and you are in terrible pain. Besides, a wide space has been placed between us and you. Those who want to go from here to you can't go, and one, and no one can cross over from there to us. The rich man answered, Then I beg you, Father Abraham, send Lazarus to my family. I have five brothers. Let Lazarus warn them. Then they will not come to this terrible place of suffering. Abraham replied, They have the teachings of Moses and the prophets. Let your brothers listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said. But if someone from the dead goes to them, they will turn away from their sins. Abraham said to him, They do not listen to Moses and the prophets, so they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Thanks, Colin. So if you're taking notes, you can pull, the, you've got your insert there, you can fill in there, you can also fill in on your app, and we're going to look at three different aspects of this parable and this story and how God uh, speaks into our lives both here and beyond. And the first one, if you're filling in the blanks, is that some, there are circumstances in all of our lives that we need to remember that are beyond your control, and that's what we see in Lazarus's life. Do you love your family? You love your family. Well, there's not a lot of yeses in there. Uh oh, you're with your. You know, some of you are sitting with your family right now. Just, just remind you of that. If you love your family, we do, but we don't love necessarily everything about our family, right? There's, there's a saying: you can choose your friends, but you can't necessarily choose your family. And you choose your friends because of mutual interest, because they've got great personality. But you can't choose your family. And a lot of us, we have, maybe it's the weird sibling, maybe it's the habits that get on our nerves of our extended families, our, our parents, our parents sitting here, your children. Sometimes there's things you just want to, you just want to hug them really hard and strong and remind, shake that out of them. No. Uh, but every Christmas, every wedding, every birthday, who's there? It's your family that's there. They, they, you can't seem to get rid of them. And, and family is beyond your control. You can, you can speak into the life of your friends. You can't really speak into who walks into your life or not as family. What about where you live, where, where you're born? Many of us were not born in the GTA. We chose to live here. And when we came here, we brought with us beliefs or habits or customs from where we grew up. And it makes us unique and it makes us individual. But sometimes we bring things with us and we go, man, I, 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 wish, I wish I'd just fit in. I wish I was just like everybody else. 
I, I remember having a conversation with a friend. He, he sa- I said, um, well, let's just stop by and pick up something from your house on the way. And he said, no, I don't really want to go over uh, to my house right now. I'm like, well, why not? And he said, well, it's Tuesday and grandma cooks on Tuesday and the whole house is going to smell like curry. And I said, that's okay. I love curry. And he's like, no, you don't want me to come. But he, he was like, he didn't want me to come in and see the custom that grandma cooked all day and what, and what, and what, that, what that would smell like. And I said, oh, it's okay, buddy. Uh, the, I, have, I have a brother-in-law who is born in the Midwest United States and he loves his country and he's a proud American and he's trying hopelessly to defend his country that is somehow supporting Donald Trump right now. And he, he, we have this going back and forth and, he, and he's really not doing all that well with me either. It's, he, can't, he can't defend that. He, he can't, yeah, he has no control over what's happening in, in his country. Even for myself, I grew up in Brantford. Anybody know where Brantford is? Anybody know a little bit about Brantford? I have to convince myself every once in a while or remind myself it's not okay to fix things with duct tape all the time. That's a, that's a custom in Brantford. That's kind of how we, we roll. You can like patch your car back together with duct tape. It's, that's normal in Brantford. It's not normal here. I can't do that. None, none of us choose our height our body type, our culture, our special abilities. Similarly, many times we have little or no control over the kinds of things that we experience in our lives. Life tragedy strikes. And maybe a loved one that you once relied upon or was a very important part of your life isn't there anymore. You have a health concern that affects your ability to enjoy different parts of your life. And, and if we don't have control over those kinds of things, well, then who does? And if God does... Can't he prevent these kinds of things? In fact, most people who are in a church have a sense that there is a God. You're, you're, you're here, you might have different, um, different understanding, different level of your relationship with God, but you have some agreement that there's a measure of control that God has over what things happen. So on Friday, we sent out an app on, on uh, we sent out a poll on our Portico app, and we asked people to respond to, to one of these three questions. I mean, let me pull this up. We, what, we, what we wanted to know... Oh, of course, it's going to crash on me the minute that I go to, go to pull it up. We, we wanted to know uh, what, what you believe in terms of how, uh, how God speaks into our world. We wanted to know, does God, um, does God move us around like chess pieces in his game? Does God orchestrate the big things, the important things, but leave the rest to us? Or does God not really, inter- not really intervene into our everyday circumstances? And currently, right now, 21% believe that God is moving us around and everything we experience has brought right into, uh, God has brought right into our, our being and our, our experience. 63%, the majority, believe that, you know, God gives us the important things, but he leaves the rest up to us. And 15% of, of our respondents right now are saying God really doesn't intervene into our everyday circumstances. And it's this mind struggle that we go on. God, are the good things and the bad things, did you bring those on or did I bring those on into my life? And we really have this, this fear sometimes because we're helpless to respond if God is bringing tragedy and calamity into our lives. And did we do something to deserve it? Did, was, was I bad, God? Is, is that why I have this thing in my life? And what can a person who's trying to follow God do with his or her disappointments when they look at their life and they look at God and they say, God, why are you bringing this into my life? I'm kind of disappointed right now. Well, this was part of the lesson that Jesus was teaching in the parable that Colin just read. Jesus told parables, he told stories to teach theology because it was easier for us to understand it than laying out a whole lesson on theology. And in this story, Lazarus and the rich man, we need to know, they would have had very different families of origin. The rich man would have been born into a privileged family. He was a Jewish 
Jesus was telling this story as a Jewish person. So he was a very privileged, rich Jewish person. And Lazarus would have been born in the exact opposite. And it dictated their future. Just the family that they were born into meant that this rich man would have had privilege. He would have had wealth. He would have had people who would have been supporting him. He would have been serving him. And Lazarus would have had none of it. Lazarus's living conditions resulted in sickness with really no chance to improve in the society that they grew up in. We see this in verses 19 and 20. He was dressed in purple and fine linen. He lived in luxury every day. But at the gate lay Lazarus, who was covered with sores, and his colon red. Even the animals came and licked his sores. God allowed this, or did this, or what was this? And the natural response is to be angry with God for bringing or allowing these experiences, however you fall, whatever you believe upon that. But there's a very interesting lesson that's hidden right in the name Lazarus, actually. Do you know that in every one of the parables that we look at, Nobody is mentioned by name except for one individual, and that individual is Lazarus. Every other parable is just there was a man, there was a king, there was a hired servant. There were, everybody else is very anonymous. Lazarus is named specifically. This is not the same Lazarus that, was, that, was, um, uh, that Jesus raised from the dead before. This was just a, a mythological person in the parable. Do you know what the name Lazarus means? The, Lazarus, the name Lazarus means the Lord God helps. So he specifically wants us to know that the person in this story is the one whom God helps. Now, of all the people in the Bible that you can look at that God helped, I would not, ca- I would not categorize Lazarus as the one whom God helped. He was sick, he was a beggar, and he was lying at the door of a person who had all the means and resource to help him, yet he was completely ignored. Thanks for the help, God. That, that's super. I really feel your help in my life. We need to remember that God measures blessings so differently than you and I do. What do we mean when we say, I'm blessed? When we say, you know, I just, I'm feeling really blessed. I, I opened up this message with that. I felt really blessed this week because I was up at a cottage that I could never afford and I was, you know, and I was loved by family and given a meal that I don't necessarily deserve. I would say, I'm blessed. We say we're blessed with a house. We're, best, we're blessed with money. We're blessed with a spouse. We're blessed with health. And the problem with that kind of language, the problem with even bringing this into theology is that it means that God's blessing equals comfort. And we say, as long as my life is comfortable, then I'll say I'm blessed. So is God more pleased with the lives of rich people than he is with poor? Does that mean that North America and Western Europe, our, our Western society, is, is, is prefer, are God's preferred areas of the world? Are sick people more wicked and deserving of punishment? Listen, there is no scriptural teaching that says comfort is blessed. Jesus addressed this in Luke chapter 13. There was, there was a tragedy that was, that was going on at, at, the, at the time. There was this tower that fell down and 18 people died and rumors started to spread because this was common belief at the time that if you had tragedy that was a form of judgment that you had done something to deserve it that god was enacting judgment and punishment by 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 tragedy and sickness now look at the response of jesus when people started talking about this in luke 13 and 4 those 18 who died in the tower in siloam in siloam when it fell on them do you think that they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem. He asked this question because he knew that that's what they were thinking. The answer is no. 
Jesus totally goes at this myth that we can measure God's blessing by looking at the wealth and the health of an individual's life. But it's a plague that's in our minds today. We can see this in the Bible, but logic says, hey, I need a reason to justify life's tragedies because if a loving God is in control, how can there be all this bad? And the human logic doesn't work out for us. But here's what Jesus said in Matthew 5 and 45. He said he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And the answer is this, that God loves his creation, all of us, so much that he allowed us equal ability to function in this world regardless of how you and I lived. And that we're going to experience good and we're going to experience bad. And and God isn't necessarily bringing the good and the bad in those ways. He sacrificed personally. He sent his son so that he would build relationship with us. us. And he promises a future, a better place where there will be none of this pain. When we'll exist together. But for much of life now, he says, sun and rain falls on good and bad. The 18 that died in that tower that fell. None of them were more deserving or less deserving. So we have to look at this. Lazarus, if God, if the name Lazarus means God helps, what is God's provision? Well, this parable, what it's doing is taking our focus from the here and now to the there and then. What are life's two inevitabilities? Death and taxes. That's what everybody knows, right? We're going to be taxed and we're all going to die. And the whole world agrees that we're all going to die. But this parable teaches that there is life after death. It's not just about now, it's about that there is life after death. And what you believe about the afterlife is heavily influenced by your faith and by your culture. Do you remember the movie Heaven is for Real? Anybody remember this movie? And it it engaged the world's imagination of of this. Is there public, is there proof that there is life after death? Johanna, go ahead and roll that that clip, that, that, um, that trailer for Life After Heaven is for Real. Watching my son that close to death. We're in trouble here. He's much worse. Will you call some friends and pray for him? The hospital staff said that your son was not expected to survive. Use the word miracle. Your son had a near-death experience. He saw things that I can't really explain. I lifted up and I looked down. Mom was in one room. You were in another room yelling at God. staring for hours. Is something wrong with Colton? Why do you say that? Sometimes he says weird things. I haven't been here. I don't think we've been here before, pal. You're the grandpa named Pop, right? He died when I was about your age. He's very nice. You saw my grandfather? Where did you see him? In heaven. Is this him? Is this the man you saw? No, in heaven everybody's young. Is this him? Great movie if you haven't watched it. Go by and it, it engages our spirits and it gives gives people hope and thought. Is there proof that heaven is for real? And we, we want to believe 
that there is more than we experience here. And we need to know, let's look at this parable. Jesus spoke really plainly about it. In verses 22 and 23, the time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. There is no getting around that Jesus lays out a picture of the afterlife in this parable. And there are two places that we end up. And our basic theology is just like the sun and the rain occur, occur in the lives of all people, all people live forever. And we are eternal spirits. Everybody dies and there is life after death. We read the, in, in uh, the book of Acts, you can read it in Acts 24 and 15. He will raise both the righteous and the unrighteous. And so while death is out of our control, it's an inevitability, there is a promise of life beyond this life. And the promise is that this life that is beyond this life will last much longer than the lives that we live and now. And forever is a concept that you and I cannot comprehend all that well. Did anybody watch the Olympic opening ceremonies on Friday night? That went on forever, right? forever and you need somebody to explain it if you've ever been to a grade three recorder concert that goes on forever and you just think this is never going to end but eternity is literally forever and so we get this concept of forever has an end or it's when the olympic ceremonies end no think and then think of how much energy we invest in making this life the best that we possibly can we invest $40,000 in our education. We, we, we sacrifice food and we go on diets and we struggle to exercise so our bodies become the way that we want them. In this life, we endure pain in relationships so that we can have an excellent life for these 70, 80, 90 years, whatever it may be. We have our future plans 10 years down the road. We stress over every final detail. And then Jesus tells a story and he says, what about if your life is really not about this life at all. Paul wrote it to Timothy for Timothy 4 and 8. He said, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. And life today as we know it is actually about qualifying for us, us to be in the right place in the life after this life. And it's not that this life doesn't have value and it's not... It's not that it's not worth investing in today and into now, into what we experience. It's that we forget the comparative value and we fight so hard and we stress so much over the details of this life because we lack perspective on the blessing of the future. We're promised that heaven is a place where no one dies, no one has pain, no one has sickness or sadness, no one wakes up cranky, nobody stubs their toe, nobody has indigestion, none of it. It's a perfect place, but we're so focused on today being good that we forget that our tomorrow has been promised to be perfect. And Lazarus spends 60 years maybe of his life in misery, but was gifted an eternity of bliss. And it's the exact reverse for the other man in this story. He was given privilege, but then spends eternity in torment. Where would you rather be? The rich man who had an easy life just found begging, to just send a person back to back to earth, come back from the dead. People would for sure believe in God and heaven and hell if a person comes back from the dead and tells them about this. And this is, remember, Jesus telling this story, <laughs> foreshadowing at all. And anyway, even with a person coming back from the dead, 
it's still a struggle for people to remember about this life and what its purpose is and that our life is not about what we experience today. And your choices in life determine your eternity. I'm going to invite our musicians to come back. Do you know that the average adult makes 35 conscious decisions or conscious and subconscious decisions every day? 35,000 different choices we have to make. Many of it is little to no consequence. It's just about which way we're going to walk. It's about what we're going to make for lunch. It's, it's these, these small decisions. Some of them will affect our jobs, the choices we make. Some of them will affect our family. Some of them will affect our community. And it has some consequence. The, the choice to love your spouse when they let you down. The choice to persevere at work and continue to be ethical working at a job that maybe you feel like you're not treated as well. The, these are important choices that we make as well. But the choice to follow Jesus, and regardless of what life throws your way, and to trust that he hasn't left the control is the only choice of eternal consequence, which is what we see in verse 25 in this parable. Abraham replied, son, he's speaking to the rich man, remember that in your lifetime you received good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you, fortunately, are in agony. And it's not because he received good things that he didn't get to go to heaven. Let's not, let's not read that into it. It isn't because of that. I want us to look at the life of the rich man. Lazarus lay at his doorstep every day. And we know Lazarus is a man who honored God because he's in heaven. Every day he was there. And the Bible is very clear. To those whom are given much, well then much is expected of them. And we also see in James chapter 127 is that true religion is caring for widows, for orphans, supporting those who are in need. And this man, this rich man, was focused on his own needs rather than focusing on a life lived for God. And this band, our band is going to sing a song that we just ended with that says, you give life and you are love and you restore every broken heart. And when we came to this parable, as we're teaching out the parables this summer, we believe that there are people who are going to be in our services today that needed to be reminded that there is hope beyond what you have experienced today. And if you have disappointment with God today, this is an opportunity to go, Lord, you're the one that gives real eternal life. You are where I find love. My joy is going to be in you and your, your love will be my strength today. And we also believe that there are those who are going to be in our services who are going to, who are going to look around and they're going to be having one of those moments where they're going to be saying, you know, Actually, life today is pretty good. <laughs> I'm sharing, I'm, I'm, I'm experiencing some good things. I'm, I'm in a time where I feel like I have something to be very thankful for. Well, here's what we see in the parable of, the, of Lazarus and the rich man. Then that's not a moment to just sit back and soak it in. That's a moment to go and share joy and share love and look at the world and say, how can I give in to somebody else's life? And remember that none of it is promised to us and none of it is something that we've earned and none of it compares with the value of knowing Jesus and helping other people experience his love and the promise for the life beyond here. Jesus said in John chapter 11 and 25 to a lady who needed to hear it, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. That's the lesson that we get to that, that in, this, in this parable we see that regardless of what we experience today, Perfection is promised 
tomorrow. And happiness is a human emotion. It's the result of a good day. It's the result of a fun experience. It's the result of having close friends around us. But the joy of the Lord, that is promised to be our strength. So this morning, as we sing this song, I want us to spend a time of reflection. And I believe that there are those this morning who need to receive joy from the Lord. They need to receive the joy that is only given when we recognize that we have a Savior that loved us so much that he came down and he left perfection so that you and I wouldn't have to ever experience what that rich man experienced. So this morning, as we sing, would you receive joy? Would you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit? Would you learn from the parable of Lazarus and the rich man? want to pray for us this morning. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes. It's a moment of personal reflection. Recognizing that 
in a half an hour thought and reflection, this doesn't solve all that ails you. <laughs> but I serve a Jesus who sends us the Holy Spirit and in a moment can restore hearts. And this morning, if you've been in this room, you've been worshiping with us, you've been listening to this parable, and this morning, just by raising a hand indicating, I need to know that God remembers me. I need to know, be reminded that I have, a per, I have a future that is promised in perfection. I would love to pray with you. If you just slip up your hand really quickly, just, just as an act of submission saying, yes, this is for me. This is a reminder. We see that. Thank you. Anyone else this morning? Thank you. All over the room. Thank you. Thank you. Let me pray. Lord, this is truth this morning. And God, there are some people that are encountering this for the first time saying, Lord, help me to live for you every day. I be- I'm believing that every day I can wake up and trust that you're in control and life is more than what I've experienced today. God, for those this morning who just need to feel your spirit so closely, I pray that in the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, make yourself known to them. Make your, I pray that you would speak a word that, that there would be one of the verses that we were studying this morning that would become life. You say that your word is life. It cuts deeper than any sword would. Lord, Lord would it be cut and, and implanted right into our hearts that we would, we would stand on that firm and we would reflect on it all week long. God, for those who just need the joy of the Lord to be their strength in the name of Jesus, we pray that you give them strength, Lord, and you give them joy this morning. God, we know that, that serving you sometimes is great and sometimes is difficult. And this morning, we sang the song that we pour out our hearts for you in the good times and the bad. And we won't waver because we know there's a day that is coming when there will, there will be no bad, there will be no rain, there will be no difficulty. God, I thank you for what you've done in our hearts and in our lives this morning. God, thank you that you're so faithful that you always send your spirit. We believe, Jesus, you've done great things in this room and in our lives. And we ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.